morning, church. Welcome to all those watching online. And I'm praying and hoping that you're staying safe, keeping well, and holding on to your peace. You know, I read a great verse in Hebrews this week that said, cling to that which is good. And you know, with so much bad stuff happening around us, so much sad stuff happening around us, we need to find the good, and there is so much good happening around us. And we want to be part of that good. We want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. So we, what we've done is every week we've um, carved out a space where we pray for our world. So I'd love you to join with me right now. I'm going to actually read a prayer that I was sent this week so you can pray along with me. May God take the hope that pours out of an empty tomb and pour it into your life in surprising ways. May the healer comfort you this season and may his compassion remind you that this is only a season. May the Lord sustain those who are without jobs and may his mercies appear new every morning. May we believe now more than ever in the limitless power of the Almighty. Where there is fear, let faith win the day. Where there is anxiety, let peace prevail. Where there is wisdom, let it be multiplied. Where there is despair, let joy break through. May God draw near to the brokenhearted and may you fully know the reassurance of his presence. May the spirit breathe new life into your new normal and may your heart be resurrected with confidence and courage. Lord, hear our cry. Lord, heal our land. Lord, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to pray, isn't it? Because prayer is powerful and it, it um, lets faith arise in our hearts and it moves the heart of God. So thank you for praying with me. Now in this season, there's not a lot of travel happening, is there? It's kind of a bit sad. It seems a bit of a distant memory. But um, Aaron and I were kind of reminiscing this week and remembering a trip that we took to Rome. It was about five years ago. And we were so excited about this trip and we kind of pre-booked um, a couple of tours that we didn't want to miss out on when we went to Rome. And one of them was an eating tour. If any of you know me, you'd know that would be my favourite thing to do. And we kind of walked around Rome, just went from restaurant to restaurant, sampling the amazing pizza and pasta and um, ice creams and gelato. It was amazing. I'm getting myself hungry now talking about it. And the other trip, the other tour, was a Segway tour. Now, you all know what a Segway is, I hope. It's one of those kind of stand-up, right-on things that the mall cop made famous. And uh, a few days out from this tour, I started to ask myself a few what-if questions. What if I couldn't work out how to ride the Segway? What if I made a fool of myself in front of all the other participants? What if I put the Segway in reverse instead of forward? And what if I crashed the Segway? And I had these what-if, what-if questions swirling around in my mind and I worked myself into a frenzy to the point that I didn't sleep the whole night before because I was planning how I was going to go to the tour guide and say, you realise that I'm really uncoordinated and I could crash your Segway. And I just worked myself into a frenzy. Why? Two words, fear factor. And when I think of fear factor, I think of the television show. I think it was in the early 2000s. And it was a, one of those reality shows, and it had two contestants that would pit off against each other, again, and they had to sort of face these uh, fear challenges. And each fear challenge had a dramatic title. I mean, there was the tarantula tunnel and the pit of rats, 
and the African cave-dwelling spider scenario. That was my favourite. And the contestants had to face these fear challenges. And they had one of two responses. They would either work through the challenge, overcome the fear, and then they would go forward in the competition. Or they would be paralysed, frozen with fear, and they wouldn't be able to participate in the challenge, and therefore they wouldn't go forward in the competition. You know, in our everyday life, we don't kind of face those dramatic fear factors like tarantula tunnels. But we do have a fear factor. And the fear factor that I want to look at this morning is the fear of failure. And the fear of failure in our lives can have the same effect that it did have in those contestants. It can paralyze us. It can stop us from moving forward in life. And the fear of failure, when surveys were done about the worst human fears possible, the fear of failure featured up there with the fear of rejection that Michael talked about last week, the fear of public speaking, and the fear of death. Now, some of you would say you'd rather die than public speak, so I'm in trouble this morning. I, I feel your pain. But the fear factor is a very real thing. Now, in case you're wondering what happened with the Segway tour, it actually turns out that I'm not a bad Segway driver. In fact, I'm quite good at riding a Segway. It ended up being one of the highlights of our trip to the point that the um, guide about halfway through said, um, it's a half day tour, but if you want the option of doing the full day, you can. And we put up our hand and said, yes. And best news of ever, I did not crash the Segway. But my husband, Aaron, who was trying to film me on his iPhone, I think he was shocked as everybody that I could actually ride the Segway, he nearly went into the back of a parked car. And if you don't believe me, I have video evidence that's going to come up on your screen now. Let's go, Bronny, let's go. Here we are, cruising down the street. Here we go. On your Bronny, whoa. Nearly <laughs> 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 lost. So that's my proof. But you know, the fear of failure nearly robbed me of that amazing experience. Have you ever been so afraid of failing at something that you decided not to attempt it at all? It could have been a presentation at work or at school or at uni that you were asked to make and you said no because you were too afraid of, of failing, of fumbling your way through it and looking like a fool. It might have been a course of study that you didn't attempt because you were afraid of failing it. It could have been a relationship that you didn't enter into or didn't follow through with because you were afraid of failing. But guess what? You weren't born with the fear of failure. This is what 2 Timothy says. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is a learned behavior. And the fear of failure has some motley mates that like to hang around with it. One of them is called procrastination. See, procrastination can be a form of self-sabotage where you just put things off because you know you're going to inevitably fail them anyway. Then there's low self-esteem. I'm not going to try out for that um, team. I'll just fail anyway. I'm not going to go for that promotion because I just know I'm going to fail anyway. And then there's perfectionism, where you don't even try or attempt anything in life unless you're 100% sure that you're going to succeed at that task. And more often than not, 
when we entertain fear and we entertain those friends of fear, we don't realise the cost that it has in our lives. You know, Jesus tells this parable that demonstrates the cost of the fear of failure. It's found in Matthew 25. And it's about this businessman. And he's going on a business trip. So he calls his three servants in. And he says to the first servant, here's five bags of silver. The second guy, here's two bags of silver. And the, the final guy, here's one bag of silver. And he says, take care of business. And off he goes. Now, the first two servants, they'd obviously overcome the fear of failure in their lives because they go out, they take a few risks, they invest the money, and they double the principal. The third guy, he struggled with the fear of failure. He didn't want to take any risks. He didn't want to um, lose the money that the master had given him. So he dug a great big hole, dropped the bag of silver in it, covered over the hole, and guarded it until the master came back. The master comes back, and the servant that's been guarding that one bag of silver, this is what he says to his master. Matthew 25, verse 25. He says, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. He was basically saying, I was afraid of failing. I was afraid I might not succeed. Now, what did the master say to this servant? Did he say, well done, mate. Great guarding. Oh, I'm so glad that you kept my one bag of silver safe. No, quite the opposite. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. And he took the one bag of silver and gave it to the guy that had made the 10 bags. You see, you might not lose silver in your life, but you might lose something far more valuable through fearing failure. You know, as we talk about the fear of failure, I have to admit that this fear of failure uh, had a big effect on my life growing up. You know, my earliest recollection was at about the age of 10. And mum came to me and she said, I've enrolled you in a gymnastics club. Now, a lot of kids would be pretty excited about that. Not me. It struck terror to my very core. I mean, I was a, a chubby, uh, slightly, un no, slightly, very uncoordinated, no spatial awareness, painfully shy 10-year-old girl. And the fear of failure, the fear of, of displaying my failure in front of a whole lot of other kids just struck terror in my heart. And I knew that I had to do something drastic. I, and I went to mum and I said, I don't want to do the gymnastics. And, and like the good mum that she was, she probably knew that I needed a shove. And she said, you'll be right, babe. You'll be awesome. So I thought, I've got to take drastic measures. I've got to take this into my own hands. So I went around the back of our house in Como. And I got my fist and I punched the wall several times until my hand blew up like a balloon. And then I went to my mum and I said, look, I've hurt my hand. You know, and I made up some false story about how I'd done it. She took me to the doctor and it was badly sprained. I didn't have to do gymnastics. Happily ever after. But it wasn't. Because the fear of failure pursued me into many areas of my life. And it cost me a lot more than missing out on gymnastics. What is it for you? Fear of failure can pop up in your workplace, in your home life, in your relationships, in your finances unless we actually call it out for what it is and recognise the power that it can have over our life. Stephen King says this, if a fear cannot be articulated, it can't be conquered. You know, too often we kind of swat at fear 
and we throw these open declarations, these empty, sorry, declarations at it, rather than facing it and naming it and recognising the power that we have given it permission to have over our lives. Now today we're going to look at three biblical principles that I believe, if applied to our life, can help us walk through that fear and overcome fear in our life. So are you ready for that? Are you up for that? Have you got a pen and paper? Because you don't want to miss out on this first point. It's super encouraging. Number one, you will fail. Turn to the person next to you if there's one in the room or the pet. You will fail. I hope you said it gently because it's a little bit harsh. But the truth is this morning, unless you are Jesus or you never attempt anything in your life, you will fail. Don't fear it. Embrace it as part of the growing process towards success. You've all heard of Thomas Edison, the guy that invented the light globe. Hugely successful. I mean, that revolutionised the modern world with electricity. Massive success. But the truth is that Thomas Edison had thousands of failed attempts until he came up with the successful light globe. And when asked about those failures, this is what Thomas Edison said. I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. You see, Thomas Edison understood that his failures were part of the growth process towards success. Another example is one of Pastor Josh's heroes, Raymond Kroc. Now, Raymond Kroc was a businessman that had multiple failed ventures. I mean, he was bankrupt several times until he stumbled upon a little family-owned restaurant called McDonald's Brothers Hamburger Restaurants. And the rest is history. There's cheeseburgers and golden arches that sing of Raymond Kroc's success all around the world. And, and Josh can probably tell you where many of those are. But you see, Raymond Kroc understood that his failures were part of the growing pathway towards success. Just because you've failed at something doesn't make you a failure. You might have failed financially. You might have made some parenting failures. Join the club. You might have failed emotionally or, or relationally. Just because you failed doesn't make you a failure because failure is never a person. Failure is an event and you are not the sum of your failures or your successes. Paul wrote about failure to a group of his friends in Galatia. And I want to read you what he said. It's in Galatians chapter 2. Paul says, What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Your identity is not wrapped up in your successes or your failures. Your identity is found in Jesus and who Jesus says you are. And Jesus says to you this morning, you are not a failure. You are a child of hope. You are a child of promise. You are a child of God. That's the truth. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it like this. He says, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity 
is an illusion. You know what an illusion is? It's just not real. It's not the truth. Now, this truth can take years to live into, and it is lived into. And it takes some failures and, and some successes and, and even more failures to understand that you are not defined by them. And as that truth grows in your spirit and renews your mind, you can start to look at your failures and look at your pain and look at your uh, brokenness and look it fully in the eye and realize that you are not defined by it, but you can be transformed through it. And this happened to a guy called Peter in the Bible. I love Peter. Peter was known for his big time fails. And one of these failures happened just before Jesus went to the cross. Peter comes to Jesus and, and what was happening is the um, disciples and other followers of Jesus were just deserting him. They were leaving him. They were running off. And Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I'm your man. I'm going to stick by you no matter what happens. I will never leave you, Jesus. You can count on me. And Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Peter, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no way, Jesus, no way, I would never do that. And if you know the story, Peter goes on to deny Jesus three times. What was Jesus' response? What was Jesus, a resurrected son of God's response to Peter's failure? He loved Peter through it. In fact, what Peter no doubt saw as a massive setback, Jesus saw as a great setup for Peter's future. Because Peter is a guy that God chose to stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach this most amazing message to 3,000 people, to more than 3,000 people, but he saw 3,000 people become followers of Jesus in that one day. You see, God knew that he had to do something in Peter before he could do something through Peter. So number one, you will fail. Get your pens ready for number two because it's more encouraging. You can overcome. Say that aloud. You can overcome. Did you know the Bible says, fear not or don't be afraid 365 times? It's pretty cool, isn't it? One for every day of the year. And three of those times that God said, do not be afraid. He spoke it to Joshua. When Joshua was at the um, edge of the river of Jericho, uh, edge of the river Jordan, about to go into Jericho, the promised land. But what was in front of them was this massive army with these huge walls, this massive opposition. And he had an under-resourced, undermanned army. And God says to Joshua, be not afraid. And when I read that, I'm like, I just want to jump to Joshua's defense. I mean, that's a bit unreasonable, isn't it, God? How can Joshua not feel afraid when he's facing that massive opposition? I feel afraid. But you see, God didn't say, don't feel afraid, Joshua. He said, don't be afraid. You see, you can feel afraid without being afraid, without allowing that fear to take control of you. Stephen Furtick puts it this way. He says, just because you have fear, fear doesn't have to have you. Just because you have fear, fear doesn't have to have you. See, God's given you a destiny. God's given me a destiny. God's given each one of us a destiny. And you know what the enemy, the real enemy to your destiny is? It's not the circumstances that are in front of you. 
It's not the opposition coming against you. It's not the difficult people in your life. It's not your husband or your wife. It's fear. Fear is the greatest enemy to your destiny. So don't give fear moments rule or reign in your heart or your mind. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. So if God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, what he has given us is very important because what he has given us trumps fear every time. So let's have a closer look at what God has given us. First of all, he's given us power. Now this is not a power that's come some kind of second-rate power. Listen to this. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and dwells in me. Let me say it again. Just pause and think about this for a moment. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you and lives in me. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And not only power, but we have love. The unconditional faith-filled love of God, so high, so deep, so wide and so long that we can't measure it and we can't even contain it. The powerful, tender affection of God is set on you today. And this is what the Bible says about perfect love. Perfect love expels all fear. Say all fear. The perfect love expels all fear. We have power and we have love. And thirdly, we have a sound mind. God has given us a mind that can respond to faith, that can be transformed by his living word. Now that word sound can be um, translated as self-disciplined. So that's where the responsibility comes on us. It's our responsibility to be disciplined, to fill our minds with what God says about us and what God calls us to do as Jesus followers and hope traffickers. Fill your mind, soak your mind with that which is good and holy and pure and soak your mind with what God says about you. So thought number one, you will fail. Thought number two, you can overcome. And finally, number three, you must take faith risks. You must take faith risks. You cannot please God without taking faith risks. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith, without stepping out of your comfort zone, it's impossible to please God. You can't bury a bag of silver and please God. You can't stay in your comfort zone, your little safe place and please God. Let's go back to our mate Peter. An earlier encounter that Pete had with Jesus. He's out in a boat with the other 11 disciples and the wind and the waves whip up a little bit. Jesus is on shore. He sees that storm kind of brewing and he goes out to the disciples walking on water. Yep, on top of the water. But we kind of expect that of Jesus because he was miraculous. So he walks out on the water, he gives the, the disciples a great big fright in the boat. And then Peter yells out to Jesus, Jesus, invite me to come and walk on the water too. So Jesus says, well, come, Pete. Peter jumps out of the boat. Peter, flesh and blood, just like you and me, imperfect Peter. He walks on water towards Jesus. Pretty incredible. 
Now, the story goes on to tell us that Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, looks at the waves and the wind and, and sinks for a bit, and Jesus lifts him up. Now, a lot of messages that I've heard preached on that story focuses on Peter's failure. Peter took his eyes off Jesus and he sunk. Peter didn't fail. If anyone failed, it's the 11 guys back in the boat that didn't even step out of the boat. You see, Peter took a faith risk. Peter got out of the boat. What faith risk is God asking you to take that maybe you've been too afraid to take? You see, if you play it safe, your greatest fear, fear of failure, becomes your greatest pain, regret. Oh, I regret I didn't take that opportunity. I regret I didn't share my faith with that person. I regret I didn't spend more time pursuing that relationship. Regret becomes our greatest pain. What faith risk is God calling you to take? He could be asking you to take a risk and start a new business venture. It could be a study course that he's asking you to enrol in. It could be to start tithing. It could be to give away something to someone in need. It could be to share your faith with someone that you know God is asking you to share with, whatever it is for you. You know God's calling you, but perhaps you've been too afraid to try because you might fail. It's time to leap into the land of faith today. It's time to take that faith risk. I want to encourage you this morning, as I encourage myself, if you believe God is asking you to take a step of faith in a particular area of your life, take it. Say yes to God. Do it afraid, knowing that God is there with you and has given you everything you need to overcome. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And yeah, you might make some failures. But Proverbs says, the righteous man falls seven times. But what does he do? He gets up again. Get up again because you know that God has given you everything you need to overcome so that you can take that faith risk knowing that God is right there with you, giving everything you need to be able to succeed in life. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we ask that you would come and do something in our hearts that only you can do. We ask that you would come and replace our fear of failure with a supernatural faith that comes only from you. God, we want to commit this morning. We want to commit to saying yes to you. We want to get out of the boat this morning, whatever that looks like for us. And we want to say yes to following you, yes to obeying you, yes to serving you. Because we know that you've given us everything we need to overcome. And we give you thanks for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, just before we close, I just want to share quickly with you the greatest faith risk that Jesus took for you. Jesus was in heaven. And he saw the state of our earth and he saw the state of our hearts. And he took a great faith leap and entered our world and became flesh and blood like us. And he died on a cross. He took the punishment of your sin and my sin upon himself. And he died a horrible death. And then he rose again. Why did he take that faith risk? Because he loved us so much. And he desired for us to become his children. He wanted us to have that opportunity to be able to enter into relationship with him. 
So if you're listening or watching online this morning and you want to take that step of faith, you want to say yes to following after Jesus, you want to give your life to him, then I'd encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me this morning. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for taking that faith risk for me. Thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven and coming to earth and dying on a cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you took the punishment for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price so that I could be forgiven. Please forgive me of my sin. Please come into my life. I want to follow you. Thank you for loving me and for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, congratulations if you, you prayed that prayer. That is so awesome. We're so excited for you. And you can get on, online on our Facebook and press the, the uh, link there. And we'd love to follow you up and help you in your journey. So God bless you, church. Thanks so much for watching online this morning. And have an awesome week. Love you, church. Mm -hmm.